Hello and welcome to Lit Liturgy. This is Becca Midiki Conlon. I am the Director of Evangelical Mission and Associate for Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Arkansas Oklahoma Synod. It's a really long title. Woo, mine's not much better. <laughs> My name is Lydia Apostles, and I'm the <laughs> Associate Pastor for Evangelism and Mission at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Vienna, Virginia. Woo, and we are Lit Liturgy, your favorite creative liturgy podcast. We are lit because we are not sus. We're awesome. We're amazing. We're on fire. Sick, fab, fleek. Yeet! I don't even know. But also, and we're drinking. We aren't drunk, but we're drinking. Um, so, what do you have today, Lydia? I'm trying. I'm trying something interesting. It's from. It's called. Shafly boomerang and it is a lemon lime mead spritzer interesting where it's, is it from it is uh search me um <laughs> i think Shafly is the company um it's from st louis missouri oh okay i thought i was thinking oh it says anheuser-busch um most likely I am in a new state, so I am drinking a, you'll appreciate the name of this. It is called Tulsa Flag. It is a blonde ale, and it is from the Dead Armadillo Craft Brewing Company. Oh, oh man, that's really appetizing. So, yes, like I said, new state, new beer, so. <laughs> new state, who dis? Yeah, all the goodness. So, all right. I'm quite a fan of my first sip of it there, but which is, I think, my first sip of Oklahoma beer. So this might be a good place to live. I hope so. <laughs> you better made a good decision. You moved I know. only moved halfway across the country. All right. Not a biggie. <laughs> so uh, thanks to Brian Ardine for our lovely theme music. And also at some point we will swear because it is who we are. So me more than Lydia. <laughs> so, all right. So each episode, we have some time that we look in depth at some topic and talk about some creativity in it. And so we are in a, um, a, a series. series. Yes. Of um, how milestones at different age levels are big fucking deals and how you can help with that. So see, I just swore. Um, so today we're looking at those like upper elementary, ele uh, middle school years. So like fourth through eighth, give or take. Um, some of these will probably happen at a younger age, depending on the kid and the school, uh, the church. And some might happen at a later age, again, depending on the kid or the church. This is also my favorite age to work with because they're so awkward and I love it. Because it was such an, I remember it was such an awkward age for me. Yes. Super, Super awkward. awkward. Your face is doing weird things and you know, you're trying to find who you are and everyone is basically, you're like in the movie mean girls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like the zits, the braces, then like as a girl, you get in your period for the first time, like, you know, all the awkwardness. Things are growing in places that weren't <laughs> before. <and> like, <laughs> Whether that's boobs or hair. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Or other parts. And like, you're a different shape than you used to be. And um, some people seem to really thrive at this age. Good for you. <laughs> but also, 
I feel bad for them because if you peak in middle school, like what a bad life to just go downhill from there. Oh, man. <laughs> and I know pe- we, I think we all know people. <laughs> But also, like, I love it. I love to work with kids this age because they are at that complete awkwardness that it's, they're almost like, in a way, Play-Doh to mold in a lot of ways, because they're also asking all these questions. They're at this, like, especially later middle school, um, they're having this, like, their cognitive brain development are at that stage where they're asking the deep questions and you can actually go deep with them much more than you can in early elementary school, where you just kind of have to like explain stuff on a surface level. And if they don't get it, they just get why, 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 when like older kids, like at this age, you can do it. And if they have the why question, they might be able to connect the dots a little bit more and go deep. So. At the same time, you are never smarter than you are when you're a fifth grader. Like you, well, for me, it was the peak of my memorization skills. And then I went downhill. Like I apparently could rattle off the entire words of institution um, passage. I had, had, well, I could. I mean, you are a pastor. (laughs) If if hard pressed, but I had that memorized since I was in fifth grade because that's when I had first communion was in fifth grade. Okay. I was in the Um, Midwest and- that's when we did it. Cool. So yeah. So first just acknowledging that these years are rough and awkward and different for every person. And you can have so much empathy with youth of this age. Like it is, um, I know someone who's a youth director that will often show a picture of them, uh, from like seventh, eighth grade and their complete awkwardness just so their youth realize, oh yeah, like it's okay. Like she, she was one of us at one point. It gets better. It gets better. Yes. You will get out of this phase. It will get better. You will move on. There is hope. So there's also a lot of, there's not as many milestones as like the younger years that we were talking about last time, but there's still some milestones that happen during this age. And so like some things that you can do to help acknowledge the changes that are happening in people's lives. And so like one of the big ones is a new school, like at most schools districts, not everywhere, but a lot of school districts now will have at some point between fifth and seventh grade, you go to a new school for middle school, junior high, whatever you want to call it. Some school districts even have an intermediate school and then a middle school as well. Um, And then also then high school. So have these acknowledgements of those transitions from one school to the next. And I was thinking it would be kind of cool to like model something off of like the bridging ceremony that scouting does of just this, you know, to physically have a bridge. And most churches have a scouting group, or it seems at least most of the churches that I have worked with have a scouting group. So like go and borrow their bridge that is somewhere in your basement anyway. And it's taking up room. You might as well use it. Yeah. You know, ask nicely if you can use it and then do a bridging ceremony. That's kind of modeled after the same thing so that there is this moment of acknowledging, Hey, you've, you're now in middle school and you can do that. And because also then we, most school, most churches model their education curriculum off of the school district. So if there is a junior high youth group, it normally starts when middle, you know, when middle school or junior high starts in the same school district. So you can even do it with 
Sunday school of like the first Sunday of Sunday school for this, the school year of the kids bridge from, you know, little kids Sunday school to the junior high youth group. Um, and then you can do it again for the middle or middle school going into the senior high youth group. So. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're one of the churches that don't have a bridge, you could use a doorway as like, here's a transition point. You are um, entering a new phase of your life. Yeah. And like, kind of make a big deal of it. Cause it's like, I mean, when I was in upper elementary school and especially cause I had two older siblings that were in the junior high youth group. Um, I wanted to hang out with them so much. And occasionally I could, cause my dad was occasionally chaperones to stuff. So I could, but I was like the obnoxious little sister to everyone. <laughs> like I wasn't allowed to truly be part partake. And so I was so excited. And so like, I know I wasn't the only complete church nerd out there who was so excited to move up to the middle school youth group. So, or junior high youth group. So like make a big deal about it. Uh, and then maybe the ones who are already there can do something to welcome them in. Like whether it's like make cards for them or like have package a care little like greeting packages for them that include a new Bible or include some other stuff that um, if you're um I don't know if your church is a big thing about like you use warm fuzzies or which are those yarn thingies or like you have a certain like game that the youth always play. That's a card game. Well, then give them a cards or like have them teach what those, you know, how to play spoons or whatever it is so that they feel welcomed right away. Here is a spoon with our youth group name on it. No, the game spoons. I know that's a good game, but you could like use the spoon to play spoons. <laughs> anyway, speaking of eating, um, one of those awkward phases that, that many of us have gone through is braces. I actually did not have braces. Did you have braces? Oh, eighth through 11th grade. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> So this is more of a secondhand knowledge because my brothers had braces. Uh, when the braces come on, you could give a care package of soft foods or whatever is easier for you to eat while you have the braces on and then make it a big deal when they come off. And here's like all of the foods that you couldn't have while you were having braces. Oh, I ate way too many of those when I had braces and would like break the brackets off all the time. So <laughs> yeah, all the popcorn you can eat once, yeah. you're, <laughs> once you have it um, off. Yeah. All of that stuff. And, and that's something that you can just have. And like, as a youth director or pastor or, you know, congregation, like you just, when you know, someone is you know, getting braces, you just drop it off at their house and it's waiting for them or you get it to them the Sunday before they're getting them on. Um, or the first Sunday that they show up with braces on, or the first Sunday they show up without braces on, um, that you have such a thing for them. So also, as long as we're talking about weird body stuff, there is also the joy of puberty that is this time. And, uh, like, and so this is probably something we could do an entire episode on, and I'm not even sure how great that would be just because it's so contextual but like just make a habit about talking openly about bodies and sexuality so that like 
girls don't feel like freaks when they get their first periods or boys don't feel like there's some weird monster the first time they wake up with morning wood because like it's you know like the entire we've been well the two of us have been there as, as women of like the at at you know, I remember like needing to change your tampon and you're like hiding the tampon up your sleeves so that you can go to the bathroom instead of just carrying it. Like, cause it's something that half the society needs at some point in their life. Um, so, you know, why not? Um, stigmatize so- the awkwardness and be like, it's normal. You don't have to hide the crinkling sound that <laughs> in the bathroom and make sure you have garbage receptacles, not just in every bathroom, but in every stall of every bathroom of any gender. Yes. Oh, and also maybe like just have tampons and pads available in your bathroom for when all of the bathrooms, especially if you're, yeah. And especially if you're going to be doing like any event, that's like, like a lock-in event, you know, how you've gone to weddings and they have those little like care package things of like, make those, have one of those for the lock-in if nothing else. Um, so that like, oh crap, I forgot dental floss. Well, now you have dental floss, but also, or a toothbrush. So you have like the cheapy toothbrushes there, but also, oh crap, I got my period and I wasn't expecting it. So now there's tampons available and I don't have to like awkwardly whisper to my friends, Hey Lydia, do you have a tampon? Like what? (laughs) A tampon? (laughs) Yes. Um, So just having those conversations and a lot of it is just normalizing it. So one great resource, and I've never been able to use it. And I really want to is um, it comes out of United Church of Christ and Unitarian Universalist of our whole lives. It's a um, curriculum that is actually different age levels from like preschool through senior. And by seniors, I don't mean seniors in high school. I mean, like senior citizens talking about our bodies, talking about our sex, talking about sexuality, very positively allowing people to realize that they're what, what they're experiencing is both normal and also not nothing new under the sun. Like they are not alone in, you know, in them feeling when the first times that they realize, oh, wait, I might. I'm not attracted to all the people that my friends are attracted to. Am I gay? Um, or like, and not feeling uh, or realizing, or maybe I'm asexual or maybe I'm, you know, like all of that very positive. Um, I've looked at the resources, just haven't been able to use them myself. So what I've heard, it's pretty great and they are rocking it. Um, but a couple of things that we all can do no matter who we are or where we're at is continuing the body positive statements in liturgy from the pulpit. Stop making comments about people's weight. Stop making jokes about weight, especially like the pandemic weight gain things. Like, I mean, if, if someone is coming to you and just are like, I just feel uncomfortable in my body right now and it's changing and I blah, blah, blah. That's something different, but like, Oh, I, Oh, you know, looks like you need new pants or and also learn to shut it down from other adults, especially when youth are present. Like my, my go-to, and I just did this the other week is, you know, cause I carry weight in my gut. So I get the occasional, Oh, when are you do comments, which is just inappropriate. And I call them out on it. I'm saying, that's never an appropriate comment. And if I really feel up to it, I say, it's never appropriate to ask someone about the vacancy status of their uterus, unless you already know. Um, 
Exactly. And, and just shut it down because I shouldn't have to feel bad about a stupid comment they made for the rest of the day or week or whenever. It should be on them for making the stupid comment. So shut it down and model that in front of youth so that they realize that the stupid comment is what was wrong, not how you, how you responded to it. You should not feel shame. And also, quote, positive comments on people's weight, like, oh, you've lost so much weight. You don't know why they could have a health issue that Mm -hmm. is causing them to lose weight. And then they feel really awful, (laughs) doubly awful. Um, Just shut it all down. No comments, no weight at all. And also, we can have an entire side track about like how often girls and both younger girls than we're talking about today, but also in those middle years are so often commented on by their appearances in some way, whether that's, oh, you look so pretty today, or I love your hair, or what a great outfit you have on. And not like, hey, you're freaking strong. Or, hey, you know, I saw that you made the honor roll. That's awesome. You know, it's always about appearance, especially for girls about appearances. So knock that off too. And then like model good behavior too in front exactly. of others. Yeah. So take those out of your sermons, take those out of coffee. Hour. Um, and then speaking of coffee hour, we have such an, um, a way of moralizing different foods as good and different foods as bad. Mm-hmm. And there's some of that in like a lot of our texts and stuff also in coffee hour, but that's also, a really touchy thing, especially right now with diet culture. And again, with girl, I'm calling out girls again, but girls, especially feeling so, you know, very conscious about how they're looking. We should knock that off too. Well, and also the opposite for boys too, of like, if they're on the skinnier side, boys will often feel subconscious about that because they don't have the muscle mass of some of their, uh, friends and, and, fellow students or they aren't as athletic and they just don't have, you know, because that red meat to bulk up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that too. Absolutely. And then lastly, um, discuss consent if you haven't already and especially call it out or the lack of it in the texts we hear in the lecture. And that's also another thing why I love this age group is like, this is the time you can start talking about all those weird stories in the Bibles that like may have remained hidden um, when they're younger, like those stories that are not in the kid's Bible and have frank discussions about it. Like whether that's, you're talking about the rape of Tamar or actually talking about like the medical death that happens when someone's crucified and about how like the physical part of it and because they get it, but also because they get like their bodies because they're thinking about their bodies so much because it's changing so much. So, and how, and how they want to be received physically and I can verbally and also and then talk about that same respect on others exactly yeah um so another again awkward milestone of these years is often the first school dance or just school dances in general leave room Um, for Jesus yeah (laughs) leave room for the Holy Spirit yeah and don't make room for, don't make purple, which, you know, let's talk about the heteronormativity of that. Um, but something you can do to celebrate that is like maybe have um, 
especially if you're at a church where most of your kids are in one school district. And so it's, they're all in the same uh, schedule. It's like have a lock-in afterwards or do some other activity afterwards. So, and also really hype it up that they don't have to attend the school dance if they don't, you know, to attend this event. Um, so that it's not about, uh, about feeling if they felt like they don't have a group to go to the dance with, they still have a group, a church group to go and hang out with afterwards. Um, my, the church that I grew up in, actually a lot of the churches in our town would get together and they would have this, they would rent buses and we would go bowling, midnight bowling. Like it was this entire all night event after each of the middle school dances. So, um, it was so much fun because it definitely became a thing about being with friends and just having a fun, fun night and not the coupleliness that so often school dances become. Yeah. And related to that, whatever you're doing at whatever you're having, you can definitely like work on decentering coupleliness, the hookup awkwardness. (laughs) Let's talk about friendships, go and have fun with your friends, non-romantic relationships. Let's bring those to the forefront because they're important too. And also maybe in the weeks leading up to the dance, when you're having your, like just your youth group hangout time, like spend some time to ask one of them that, you know, that's a little bit more coordinated to teach you one of the new dances that's in so that therefore the ones who are not less coordinated can learn. So, you know, like it's not in right now, but like flossing a few years ago, it was in, but like, you know, have them teach you the awkward adult how to floss so that uh, therefore the kid that's a little bit awkward and doesn't know how has a chance to learn too. And by the end of, you know, hopefully a few weeks, they are all doing the dance. That will be the big dance at the, you know, the big move at the middle school dance. And then you can earn some cool points for at least trying. I still can't floss, so. (laughs) Not well. (laughs) No, not well. And then another thing is just celebrate the church kids who have competed in things or have accomplished things. Yes, in sports, but also in academics as well. And also just in life. So like whether they're in honor roll or robotics club, they were in a play. Hey, yes. You know, you had a, your winter performance, all of these things. And like, and there's so many ways you can do that large and small, include them in the prayers, whether that is like the church prayers or whether that is like in your youth group time, um, that you include it in the prayers that you're going to pray for all of those, even if they aren't there that week, because it's like, you know, the week before the big play. So they're at rehearsals. You're still praying for the ones who are in, in the drama club that they might have a great time so that they know that, hey, the week before, when they're at their big sport event, they're being pr- played, prayed for too. Um, you can list that information in the bulletin. Um, send them actual notes in the mail. Like, what? yes. What are those? <laughs> yeah. um, go to the events when you can. I mean, yes, watching middle school plays is probably the most painful thing that I've ever sat through horrible experience one time of watching sound of music just horrible but also meant so much to the youth person that you know much to the youth that I was there to watch it and I can sit through two hours of really pitchy bad music um if you can do it anyone can (laughs) yeah 
And I've been to sporting events that I have absolutely no clue what the sport is and how to do it. But like, you know, you don't have to go to an all day softball tournament. You can just say, Hey, when is your one game and show up for a few hours um, and try and make it to one each, you know, depending on the size of your group or grab some of the other adults from your church to do it too. Or, um, whether it's you personally or a group of people that go, um, it means the world to them because they know that there's adults who care about them. So I think the, the going number that I've read multiple places is five caring adults for one youth. Mm-hmm. And, is, and is it what it takes to keep them, keep them engaged? Yep. And there's all those different groups that uh, when they've done studies about like why youth are in, involved later in life, they always have those antidotes of the, the one uh, adult who like attended all the kids sporting events and was, you know, from the church and was just, and plays. And, um, you know, if they had a banquet at the end of the school year for, that was open to the public for, um, uh, or maybe not a banquet, but like, a I don't, I can't remember what they're called, where they give all the awards out and stuff like that. of just the one person cheering for them that, you know, yay, Lydia, I'm so proud of you for making honor roll. Um, (laughs) Or because, yeah, it means a lot to know that it's not just because sometimes kids feel like their parents are putting a lot of pressure on them to make those achievements. And so to have another adult who celebrates them when they get the achievements is, is great. That's pretty awesome. Again, I love this age group. They're so much fun. Yeah. And then really what they need is just some space and some time mm-hmm. from you. <laughs> it might be really cool to do with like a drop-in time. If you have like the space and the, and the people to hang out, especially if your church is near a school. And if it's not, if there's a coffee shop near the school or in an area that a lot of them, that age group hang out at, just say, these are my hours and make sure you have hours that are after school so that they can come and just know that you are going to be there. Make sure that they know your phone numbers so that they can text you um, and confirm that you're going to be in at, you know, hanging out at the coffee shop for, and be willing to buy them a coffee, you know, introduce them to all the sugary drinks that coffee is. Here's some espresso. (laughs) Now go home to your parents. Now go home to your parents. (laughs) Maybe get them like the non-coffee drinks. Yeah, I'll get you a vanilla bean frappuccino or whatever. The non-caffeine frappuccino. Yep. Always a good, just to have some unscheduled time with your youth group or confirmation or be willing to allow that, you know, the plans that you made to not happen because the conversation was that good. Whether, I mean, I taught a confirmation class, um, this was years ago that we would do highs and lows and they were seventh grade girls and we hardly ever got past highs and lows because in the hour that, because we had a large group time and then it was a small group that I was in charge of. And because they were just too busy sharing their highs and lows, but also call them other things, mountains and valleys, roses and thorns. My personal, I just learned this one, happies and crappies. That's um, awesome. Never uh, heard of that one. <laughs> I know, neither did I. Um, but I just, you know, sometimes, and sometimes just asking that about 
what's been your favorite part of the week? What's been your least favorite part of the week is, and I'll be in allowed if somebody, some kid says, oh, I don't have one. And then later has one go back and allow them to share. <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes it takes a hot second to, to get your thoughts together, especially if you're first, especially if you're an introvert, introverted teenagers exist. Yes. I was one. <laughs> or maybe even like ask first does anybody have any to share? And then you can go around the room to those who didn't share so that the introverts or those who take longer to get their thoughts together have some time to get their thoughts together. Don't forget. Yeah. Don't be afraid to call on us, but sometimes we do appreciate being called on. Yep. And share yourself, share as openly as an adult as you can. Like you don't have to go in all the details about how you know, this really sucky work situation that's happening, but you can just say there's a really sucky work situation. Um, and it's just kind of have you stressed out a little bit right now. They don't need to know every single detail, but the fact that you're struggling with stuff, the fact that you're excited about stuff is good. (laughs) And a good example of like, life will not be magically better once you no longer have acne, but also, um, you're a functioning adult who, still has some lows, but also still has some stuff to celebrate. So, and really it doesn't really matter whether or not you get a particular lesson done. (laughs) If you're like in confirmation or in Sunday school and you're, you're supposed to be talking about the third commandment. No, you don't get very far. It's okay. Yes. Because relationships were built instead. Exactly. And that's what they'll remember is like, because honestly, you can download the small catechism app and you can always look up what Luther wrote, Luther's explanation is at the palm of your hand, but yes. they're not going to remember what the third commandment is. They're going to remember the adults who cared about them. Some thoughts that I had gleaned from a really great book called When Kids Ask Hard Questions, which is published by Chalice Press, which is a just chock full of essays. A lot of them are a little bit more geared toward the younger side of the age group we're talking about, but some of the stuff that I gleaned from it that kind of supports this age, which is so much about identity and belonging and trying to figure out who you are and growing into who you're going to become. Some of the things that I thought were kind of helpful is creating a family motto together, um, picking a Bible verse that kind of exemplifies your family and doing that together They suggested creating a family crest or a mascot, and this can kind of help foster a sense of belonging and identity and kind of is more geared to sort of the upper elementary kind of tween age. But you can do the same in your youth group too. Exactly. And uh, that's what I was thinking is like, you could have found families, you know, do this as well. And if you want to present them like in worship, I'm thinking of like cabin cheers at camp. We sort of had like a skit or a cheer we would come up with, so. That would be fun. Um, but also to lift up the different types of families that exist in the Bible to decenter our kind of messed up notion of this nuclear family thing, a mom and a dad and a kid, you know, a sister and a brother and a dog and a white picket fence yard. <laughs> That's not how families look. We've got two moms, two dads, single parents, people who are raised by their grandparents, people who are fostered, people who are adopted. And there's evidence of all of these, (laughs) I think most of them in the Bible, um, so that those who are like, well, my family doesn't look like, leave it to beaver. It's okay. (laughs) 
Well, they don't know what Leave it to Beaver is. Right. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> they will if they watch WandaVision. Wasn't wasn't Leave it to Beaver one of the shows? No, it wasn't Leave it to Beaver. Gotta read. Or no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was. Anyway, those Dick the Van shows Dyke. were. What was that? Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, it was like, you know, all of those 50s and 60s shows that there's like a mom and a dad and then Billy and Susie and oh, they get into and, shenanigans and then they're solved. Yeah. And while our society is becoming much better about representing different kinds of families, even like, you know, Cheerios commercials, you know, a male and female and kids is still the norm so exactly so let's decenter that a little bit um another thing is giving space to voice losses that happen in their lives um at this point they could be losing a grandparent or maybe someone even closer to them um so giving them space to speak or do something to participate at the memorial service of a loved one or even a pet because sometimes that's the first death that they've experienced or maybe they experienced death at you know there's that thing of like kids don't really comprehend death until they're seven and so if they experience a death at a younger age and then but then haven't experienced any death until their pet hamster died when they were 14 like that could actually like relate them to their grandparent who died when they were six um so give that space even when it's a a pet animal yeah which is also true encourage them to just feel feelings and express them journal art the next thing was i thought this was really interesting to talk to them about generosity and be honest about things like money economic disparity there was even like mention of santa claus which at th- this age group is like if they haven't grown out of that <laughs> are definitely like they're getting there and they're noticing mm-hmm. things like that um and some of them might be starting to get an allowance so this is a great time to start instilling in our young people what it means to give and where and where they feel passionate about using their money and ownership of that and taking ownership of where they want to give it and letting them run wild with some sort of like project that they want to work for and recruit like the heifer project local food pantry there's tons of them but you're like you choose you know what you want to raise money for because this is the age that they feel that they can change the world so let them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Actually, if you're really brave, have them run your or help, maybe not run, but help your stewardship campaign. Yes. And say like, what are your dreams for your church? Whether mm-hmm. it's like, I, and you might be surprised, or maybe you won't, but they, they could say things like, I want to renovate our bathroom so that they're handicap accessible and gender, you know, all gendered and I want to fix the ramp. I want to have a playground for, for younger kids. Let mm-hmm. them dream. And I bet that would inspire the rest of your people. Yep. Cause again, they feel they can change the world. And so we should let them. Exactly. 
And then speaking of like service and whatnot, if, if maybe they don't have a lot of money at their disposal, they can serve. And especially if you have a, like a servant's assert that a service requirement as part of confirmation, make it a group event, make it a family event mm-hmm. so that they are connecting service and community and that'll build relationships too. Yeah. Um, side note on that yesterday, I attended a service in which our reader was 12. He, his birthday was yesterday. He just turned 12 and he was one of the best lay readers I've ever heard in worship, um, at 12 years old. Like he just had poise. He had confidence. He read at a good pace. He didn't mumble like so good. I made sure to let him know that (laughs) like multiple times that he was, he sat behind me. And so I told him that as he was coming to sit back down. And then I also told him that after worship, when I could actually have a conversation with him, I'm like, because by far so good. So when you see kids do some like amazing things, even if it's amazing as in, Hey, they were a really good reader, let them know. Cause he like beamed when I told him that. So and now is the time to get them involved. Don't just designate you're the acolyte and then you have to sit there like a bump on a log, though it's a start. Yeah. Get them involved now. They can actually do things like hold a, hold things and not and drop lead. them. And yeah, and lead prayers and yeah. Maybe uh, even preach. Yes. Whoa, amazing. Um, so something we haven't talked much about yet thus far as confirmation. And I think part of that is because we realized as we were planning this, we need to just have an entire another service uh, episode just to talk about confirmation, both the service of affirmation of baptism, but also confirmation programs. So I'm going to just leave you with some basics right now. What is the purpose of confirmation? Is it education? Is it indoctrination? Is it about relationship building? Is it about faith formation? Some combination thereof. Um, a great resource is the right now is the confirmation project. They did a whole bunch of uh, interviews and questionnaires with con- uh, with congregations about their confirmation programs and what worked and didn't work. And their um, resources are have started to trickle out about that because it was about five years ago that they did the all the interviews and stuff. Um, and I will read some more of that before we have our confirmation episode. Um, for the affirmation of baptism, the worship service, get the kids involved, have them, have them lead all those different parts of worship, preach, um, share their faith stories, whatever it is. Um, but also how they want to. So if you have the super introvert who doesn't want to be up front, well, let them be the usher, you know, let them be the you know, let them do something like design the bulletin cover. Yeah. Or write liturgy, write a poem. Yeah. And include it. Uh, two things that I've done for confirmation that I will share now, and I'm sure I'll share it again when we do our confirmation episode at some point in the future. Um, I have done both confirmation projects and faith journey projects, not to be confused with the two. So the confirmation project, we are start kind of talking about that earlier, about all the different, like getting them involved. I've just had the youth like either alone or in pairs, um, figure out what is something that they can do for the church and get the church involved in it. So that can be, they want to host a social event that can, uh, one of, um, my most recent 
confirmation group did a clothing drive and then we're having a day of like where families uh, could come and just get free uh, free clothes from this clothing closet that clothing drive that they did another did uh they found an organization that works with veterans that really need it one of the things that they need is socks and underwear so they did a sock and underwear drive um for the congregation where they just collected a bunch of them for a few weeks so it can be something little it can be something big but something that they do for the greater church with the greater church in some way faith journeys is just a way of them exploring where they've been thus far in their faith and where they are going. So I have all these different questions about like, you know, what is your favorite Bible story, a memory from Sunday school, all these past focus questions. And I have all these future focus questions. Like what are some things that you want to do in the church in the future? How do you see the church being important to you when you're 20 and when you're 30 and when you're 40? And then I have them do a project. And my joke is always that, they can do whatever they want. They can do a liturgical dance. They can bake a cake. They can uh, do a PowerPoint presentation. They can write a song. They can do a piece of artwork, or they can write me a 18 page essay about their faith. Because in other words, I want them to do anything else, but write an essay. <laughs> um, so I've had them bake cakes. I've had them paint art, uh, paint uh, artwork depicting a favorite Bible story. I've had them, um, write po poems or done dances or did the PowerPoint presentation talking about, you know, here is the, here's pictures of them from the, when they were baptized and pictures of from vacation Bible school and talk a little bit about how the, all these people were important on their faith journey thus far. So, but we'll talk more in some future episode at some point, but after we finish, yeah, after we finish the series first on milestones. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, we didn't have any BYOBs. Uh, come on. Maybe it's summer. Maybe y'all are on vacation or <laughs> the pandemic has been rough on all of us. So we would love to hear from you. Send us your BYOBs for shit. There Maybe you go. you're in the middle of a cross country move. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to shots then. All right. Our shots are the thematic Old Testament reading. Um, also, most of these are about the summer bread. Check out that summer bread episode from July of 18 of Liquid Bread Solid Beer is the name of that uh, title of that episode. So Pretty epic. So though it's really cool that there are actually lots of resources right now for summer of bread too. So which is cool. Anyway, summer of bread, August 1st. <laughs> this is like week two of summer of bread. <laughs> Uh, Exodus, the Old Testament is Exodus 16, various verses, manna and quail. I'm just going to sing this whole thing. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> manna and quail happening in the wilderness everywhere. Decorate with all the birds and all the loaves of bread, just all over the place, <laughs> all the manna, all the quail. And then have people talk about what do you think manna was like? We don't really know what it is. Is it, it's kind of like a crusty thing that was happening on the surface surface of the ground was it is it sweet is it like crackers is it like phyllo bread is it like communion wafers <laughs> it probably is like communion wafers when they're so that's why they're like god stop we're done i hope it tasted better than communion wafers if it was like communion wafers i hope so i i picture it as like phyllo is that phyllo 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 the really thin pastry like yeah a couple of layers of that phyllo dough that's what i 
that's what I feel like it was like, but talk about it. Imagine Hmm. what, what could have, what manna, what is this? What could have it been like? I always picture it to be something that like, you can't pick up, but you can like smush up like snow. Like you can't pick a little bit of snow, but you can gather snow. And so like, you can gather manna, but you can't just like pick it up, you know? But what if it was like injera? Ooh. Ooh, I think I changed my mind. I think manna is like injera, which is like the best stuff ever. I looked up and the closest Ethiopian restaurant to me is in Oklahoma City and it's only open on Fridays and Saturdays. No. I know. Sad face. Anyway. John anyway. six. Woo. <laughs> More bread. Bread, 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 bread. <laughs> Give out some bread. Have a potluck outside <laughs> safely <laughs> share times you felt hungry which we all have those stories where you're like oh my gosh I'm starving and then how good it felt when you were able to eat like if you were waiting for your food or <laughs> or how good the food was even though it probably wasn't like the best food in the world like I used to go backpacking with my church when I was in high school and our f- first meal back when we were at base camp I'm not exaggerating. This was legit. The menu Ritz crackers, canned cheese, like cheese whiz and spam and dinty more beef. Stew. That was the appetizer. And then we had dinty more beef stew as the main meal. It was the best meal because it was something that wasn't dehydrated for. And it was the first time we ate non dehydrated, you know, rehydrated food, um, in a week. So so good wow would i eat any of those things now am is good question mark i would eat the ritz crackers now (laughs) yeah oh yeah anyway really bad when fake cheese is good but anyway (laughs) um something else you could think about doing is start planning for one of those 30 hour famine weekends to happen either you could coincide it it's a little late to start that now but um you could plan for it to happen later on in the summer That'd be good, something good to shoot for, for the last week in the summer of bread. August 8th, um, the Old Testament reading is first Kings 19, four through eight, which is when God gives Elijah some food. There is that meme. That's actually a tweet of, uh, that says, here's your gentle reminder that one time in the Bible, Elijah was like, God, I'm so mad. I want to die. And God said, here's some food. Why don't you have a nap? So I just slept, ate, and decided things weren't so bad. So never underestimate the spiritual power of a nap and a snack. So I love that summary of this story of just, you know, so give out some food, have a guided meditation so that people maybe don't nap, but they have that like restful experience of just like sitting and being still and quiet and realizing it's not that bad. Uh, and that how restored you can be from food and rest. Cause I mean, just how hangry Elisha was, Elisha was at this moment. So like the quintessential hangry. Yes. Uh, the gospel lesson is John uh, 6 35 and then 41 through 51, which is, I am the bread of life. For some reason, I read this passage today. And the first thing that popped in my mind is make a cross out of baguettes. I don't know why, but like <laughs> I am the bread of life. And I just kind of pictured this cross made out of baguettes. <laughs> so go for it. <laughs> um, 
but also you can have a great so <laughs> I made Lydia completely lose it um so you can also have a discussion about what does eternal life mean because we all know we're gonna die like we all know at some point we're going to die, but so what does it mean to have eternal life? And, you know, just like that manna, what did, what was manna? Have people share what is eternal life? What is, whether that's heaven, whether that's, uh, I mean, there are Christians who believe that they will be reincarnated and that's part of eternal life. There, you know, there's all sorts of different versions of what eternal life is. So, all right. More bread. Yes. <laughs> August 15th. Old Testament is from Proverbs 9, 1 through 6. We're dining at wisdom's feast. That's, this is lady wisdom, correct? Yep. yep. This is like the Proverbs 8 and 9. Lady wisdom. Woohoo. She has a house. It's awesome. So build a house. Build it out of Legos, building blocks. I love this. Build it out of toilet paper. <laughs> Get some toilet paper because we all hoarded some we all have like 16 bags or you know 16 things full of toilet paper that are in our basements and get them out and make a toilet paper house but then also donate them <laughs> you could also do a donation for a food pantry because they always need stuff like that um wisdom's house has seven pillars what are the seven pillars that your congregation is built on and what do you support and what do you use to support your work and your ministry? Do you have seven things that, seven values, seven inspirations yep. that are part of the pillars of your congregation? And then John six, you again. You can get to seven if you can, you know, what still, what are the pillars, even if it's not seven? That's true. Yeah. And then John six, again, <laughs> Jesus is the bread of life again. <laughs> Jesus is the bread, the bread I give for the life of the world is my flesh. That's what Jesus says. And so now we're getting into the, what is Jesus talking about? So this is a great opportunity to talk to your people about what is our communion theology? Is it Jesus's flesh? Are we transubstantiation people? We as Lutherans are not. We're consubstantiation. Is that what we are? sure where is where the is people because jesus, jesus said this is with body. and under yeah that thing but a fun and weird thing you could talk about is are we cannibals and i want to lift up a fun tiktok by uh at nerdy priest who talks about she gets this question she, i think she's gotten this question multiple times how many communion wafers do you need to eat to eat a whole jesus Ooh, and I'm going to tell you her answer, but I think you should go look her up anyway. Actually, no, I'm not going to tell you your, her answer. You should go look her up. <laughs> okay. Becca, if you really want to know, I'll tell you afterwards. I'll do but, it right after we're done with the recording here. Yeah. So go look up her on TikTok. Nerdy Priest. Before the 15th of August, for sure. Um, August 22nd, uh, Joshua 24, various verses is... The Old Testament reading, Joshua calls on all Israelites to serve the Lord. It's a great time to kind of maybe incorporate some time and talent Sunday about having people commit to how they can serve the Lord in your context. And that can be whether you're asking people, how are they going to serve the Lord this week or this month or this year? So something who 
has that. It's also where Joshua basically tells those who aren't willing to serve the Lord, basically get out. So tell the people who aren't willing to serve the Lord in your church. Yeah, you can pick a date and leave. So um, I say that somewhat sarcastically, but only somewhat. So um, the old, uh, the gospel lesson is John 6 again, uh, 56 through 69. So a, a bit of an overlap with the end of the previous week uh, that it's that I, general idea of this teaching is, is so difficult. Who can accept it? That's what the, um, the people around Jesus say to him. And so this is a great time, August 22nd. Think about this. Start plugging plans uh, that you have this fall about ways people can help deepen their faith. Do you have a Bible study that's going to be starting in the fall? Or maybe it goes year round, but like you can really hopefully like tell people, hey, Labor Day is a good time to, you know, September is a good time to start getting people to go or at the beginning of school year uh, or book groups or small groups um, and have that, that general idea that yes, Jesus's teachings are difficult, but, and there's parts that we don't accept, but we can also learn from one another. And that's what we're here for. Also lift up Thomas Jefferson's Bible. He physically went through and cut out parts of the Bible he didn't like. So you can talk about that and also talk about like, what are parts of the Bible you do not want? Um, and have people share them, have them write it on post-it notes and stick it to the wall, have them actually just spout it out loud. What the part that they don't like, what would you cut out of scripture? If you could, you can even like, you know, if you have a box of old Bibles somewhere, cause let's be honest, we do cut up a Bible. Like some people might find you sacrilegious, but you're just following Thomas Jefferson's example. So, or you could use one of those old Bibles that are just hanging around in the back of your Christian education closet. We all have them. Like 12 million of yes. them. Yes. And there's also those Bibles that people bring to the church because they can't bear to throw them out themselves. So they bring them to the church to just sit on the walls everywhere. So. August 29th. Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy 4, 1, 1 and 2 and 6 through 9 which says do not add anything or take away anything from the law. So if you didn't do it last week, what are some of the things you would cut? You could do what Becca just talked about. Like, what would you cut out of the Bible if you could, or if you, if you want to do something that on the, uh, about the flip side of that, what would you add to the Bible if you could? And you could also talk about the, those things that we all hear that we think are in scripture, but aren't. Things like the footprints poem, things like God helps those who helps, who helps themselves. You could probably name a few things that you're like, yeah, it sounds good or not. And it's not in the Bible. All right. We are out of John. Yes. <laughs> We're back to Mark, Mark seven, lots of fiddly bits. Lots of fiddly verses. And Jesus says, people are mad about um, eating with defiled hands. Do we need to pause? No, I'm good. My dog <laughs> just tried to break my nose, but I'm good. Yeah, your dog just attacked you. I was concerned. She thinks it's dinner time. It's not, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> now, oh. now the other one thinks it's dinner time. She's anyway, mad. keep going. 
anyway, they're hungry. So anyway, we're talking about people who are mad that the disciples were eating with defiled hands. Well, first of all, celebrate that you made it through the summer of bread. Good for you. You did it. You deserve a medal. Next, give everyone hand sanitizer because that was a big thing with the pandemic is do we have enough hand sanitizer? Where are we going to get hand sanitizer? And I remember how important it was for us to have hand sanitizer within the last year and a half, especially at the beginning when I think more of us were really into the epic hand washing kick and hand washing your hands is always good to do. Well, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, when we didn't know how the coronavirus was transmitted. And so people thought it was transmitted through surfaces. And so there was like, people were wiping down their mail and their groceries and photos and everything. We got a little out of hand, so you could bring out those fond memories if you'd like. You could also bring out the fact, here's another like things that are, could be in the Bible, but aren't sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Eh, Not true. (laughs) Words are so important because they can do a lot of damage. Well, and that's the, this entire, the latter half of that gospel is about how um, it's not what comes out of, not what goes into the Bible, uh, into the body that defiles it, but what comes out. And so there's that list of like all the different ways people sin And so much of them are sins against people that are through words or actions, but the actions are not like, let me stab you, but they're like, I'm going to like, you know, embezzle money from you type thing. So, and then have a, again, have a party that you're done with the summer of bread. I like the summer of bread, but enough bread is enough. Yes. Uh, So our chaser today is uh, a book that we're both excited about. Uh, I have it on pre-order. I haven't received it yet, but it's Al Dowd's uh, Baptized in Tear Gas from White white Moderate to Abolitionist. She's having a book lounge party on Facebook on August 10th. So just look for L. Dowd, E-L-L-E space D-O-W-D. Um, and you can find it and that will be on evening of August 10th. Um, I'm really excited about this book because just last week I was in a meeting week before, um, in a meeting in which yet another fairly well-meaning white person basically asked a a person of color to like help them learn how to, um, not be racist. And it's one of these, like, as white people, we need to not rely on people of color to constantly teach us, but teach ourselves. And here is an example of someone who taught herself basically, and went from being, trying to be apolitical to someone who's very much an abolitionist of, um, and trying to break down the racial barriers in our world. So. And I think she's giving all of the proceeds away. Yes. All of her proceeds are going to, uh, communities, uh, organizations, uh, that are predominantly people of color and the work that they do. So amazing. So go buy the book, go to the book launch party on the, on August 10th, um, has nothing to do with middle school years, but oh, well, I gave you, you had, we mentioned other resources throughout too. So exactly. Yep. Uh, so Find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter at Lit Liturgy, email us at litliturgy at gmail.com, L-I-T-L-I-T-U-R-G-Y. Also, we want your BYOBs. 
And so let me tell you what we're going to be doing next up in our series, high school, nine through 12, what rituals and liturgies have you done for that? So that's next up in our extended series. And as always, thank you so much to Brian O'Dean for our amazing theme music. And this is Becca. And this is Lydia. And we're reminding you to always drink and plan worship responsibly. Cheers, friend. Cheers. Cheers.